It is Thursday, November 16th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. Today, an Arkansas law passed in 2017 is being discussed in relation to the current war in Gaza. Well, I think it's just uh, really important that we protect Israel in any way that's possible in any uh, efforts that we can. And we saw some movements across the country to, to boycott uh, Israel, and we just said, you know what, we're going to respond back in a positive way. If you're a company that's boycotting Israel, the state of Arkansas will boycott you. Plus, after a loss in 2022, former gubernatorial candidate Chris Jones is still politically active. Asking Arkansans to identify other Arkansans who are their neighbors that are rooted in Arkansas and ready to lead. And Fruitcake is a new holiday market debuting Saturday in Fayetteville. So you can literally leave this or a drink in your hand out into the lights, Christmas shopping done and wrapped. First, the news from NPR. The group Friends of the Berryville Library is raising funds for a new library building big enough to serve the needs of its growing community. For more information on the importance of public libraries in the lives of individuals and the strength of our communities and how you can help, berryvillelibrary.org. This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, November 16th, 2023. I'm Kyle Callums. I'm Matthew Moore. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. In our second half hour, we'll hear from former gubernatorial candidate Chris Jones. He spoke with Roby Brock from our partner Talk Business and Politics about the political action committee he's spearheading to offer opponents to all four congressional districts in Arkansas. Over the past few years, the Boycott, Divest, and Sanction movement, BDS for short, has gained popularity with activists around the world as a tactic to oppose Israel's military operations in Palestine. Opponents of the movement say it's an anti-Semitic push to delegitimize Israel. And the issue has made its way to several U.S. state legislatures, including Arkansas. Ozarks at Large's Dina Carruth reports. In late October, the University of Arkansas made national headlines after an author and journalist announced that he would not be speaking at the university to promote his new book. I received an email saying that I was uh, invited to speak and that the University of Arkansas was very much looking forward to having me, uh, but that unfortunately I would have to sign uh, this pledge uh, not to boycott Israel or uh, its settlements. Um, if I wanted to uh, speak. And um, I told um, the university that I would not be willing to sign that pledge. Nathan Thrall, who is Jewish and has lived in Israel for the past 12 years, says he was asked to speak on campus about his book, A Day in the Life of Abed Salama, by the U of A's Middle Eastern Studies King Fahd Center earlier this year. The people who invited me were themselves opposed to the law that forces them to uh, ask for this pledge. Um, It's not entirely clear to me that the letter of the law really does uh, require the um, university to demand this even of speakers, but the university has chosen to interpret it in this very cautious way. 
A spokesperson for the University of Arkansas declined an interview request, but in a statement said the requirement is in compliance with the Arkansas State Law Act 710, which prohibits the state and other Arkansas public entities, including the university, from entering into a contract valued at or more than $1,000 with companies or individuals that boycott Israel. The act, informally known as an anti-BDS law, which stands for Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions, passed the Arkansas legislature in 2017. It was one of a number of copycat laws that began cropping up as early as 2015, which are on the books in at least 37 other U.S. states. Arkansas's law, though, has been particularly prominent, That's because in 2018, the Arkansas Times, a Little Rock-based newspaper, challenged the law in court. Brian House is with the American Civil Liberties Union and was a lawyer for the Times on the case. At the time, the paper had advertising contracts with a local community college. Um, And as a condition of keeping those advertising contracts, the college was requiring the Arkansas Times to certify that it wasn't engaging in these boycotts of Israel. Now, the Arkansas Times, you know, is not participating in these boycotts. It has no position um, on affairs of any kind. It's focused on issues in Arkansas. But they're journalists, and they care deeply about the First Amendment, and they felt that they would be abdicating their duties um, as journalists if they were to um, accede to an unconstitutional uh, anti-boycott certification of this nature. Um, So we brought a lawsuit challenging it. And to clarify, the Arkansas Times does not support or oppose a boycott of Israel. What they take issue with is having to pass what House calls a political litmus test to do business with the state of Arkansas. Eventually, the Arkansas Times lost their case in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit. Um, And I should say that we brought lawsuits in a number of other states challenging these anti-Israel boycott laws. We brought lawsuits in Kansas and Arizona and Texas. Uh, And in all those cases, we won Um, in the federal courts. They said that the laws violated the First Amendment. In February of this year, the case made it all the way to the doorstep of the U.S. Supreme Court, but the court declined to hear it. So the ruling by the Eighth Circuit Court stands. House says the law is under more scrutiny today as war between Israel and Hamas intensifies and political tensions around Israel and Palestine are bubbling up here in the U.S. You know, I, I think the, the current conflict in Gaza is, you know, heightening tensions on all sides of this issue. So I think there will be um, more punitive attempts to enforce these laws, and there probably will be more people who, um, who want to participate in boycotts uh, for various reasons. So we're probably going to continue to see a lot more litigation on this issue. Uh, I'm hopeful that Uh, We've done a good job of explaining why these laws violate the First Amendment and that states that have not already adopted them um, will hold the line um, and protect uh, First Amendment rights in their jurisdictions. Uh, So I'm hopeful these laws won't spread even further because people have recognized that they're really tools that are designed to suppress peaceful, constitutionally protected protest. Um, So I'm I'm optimistic that they're not going to spread any further, but I do think the tensions around them are going to be heightened. Arkansas State Senator Bart Hester was the sponsor of the bill that eventually became Act 710 and says he put it in place for moments just like this. Well, I think it's just uh, really important that we protect 
Israel in any way that's possible in any uh, efforts that we can. And we saw some movements across the country to to boycott uh, Israel. And we just said, you know what, we're going to respond back uh, in a positive way. If you're a company that's boycotting Israel, the state of Arkansas will boycott you. And uh, had basically a unanimous support, Republicans and Democrats, to do that. Uh, I think uh, anything that is anti-Semitic is some, not something that the people of uh, Arkansas, you know, support. And so we wanted to start, you know, pushing back before the push even started on on the other way here in here in the state. And incidents of anti-Semitism have risen in the U.S. since the October 7th attack, with 312 incidents reported just in October. That's according to a report from the Anti-Defamation League, a Jewish advocacy group. But Brian House disagrees that these anti-BDS laws are meant to protect people from discrimination. They want to stand with Israel, and they believe that attempts to boycott Israel um, are anti-Semitic or discriminatory. Uh, they undermine trade relations, et cetera. Um, but I think whatever you might believe about whether boycott of Israel is anti-Semitic or not, the fact of the matter is that the right to boycott um, is a fundamental First Amendment right. And so if you take them away from groups you disagree with, inevitably they're going to be taken away from you as well. Hester, though, cites the Eighth Circuit's ruling and says this particular law does not violate the First Amendment. Uh, people don't have to do business with the state of Arkansas if they don't want to do them on the terms that we set. But House says the law is not simply stopping economic activity, but suppressing speech, a right the Supreme Court upheld in a 1980s civil rights case. He says if the anti-BDS laws like this are upheld, it opens up the door for other bills that force businesses and individuals to choose a political side as the price of doing business. This is Alan Leverett and the Arkansas Times are a good example. Even if people aren't personally engaging in these boycotts, I think, you know, once the government starts asking you to be on record on any particular public policy issue of the day and say, to be clear, you know, you're not engaging in protest on this issue, right? You're not marching in Black Lives Matter marches, right? Um, if you want to do that, you're going to have to forfeit your government job or your government contracts. You know, there's no telling where this is going to end. Um, that's what we've already seen as these anti-boycott laws have expanded to encompass boycotts of all kinds of different um, political issues. So it, it may start uh, with boycotts of Israel, but it's not going to end there. Um, and so I think even people who aren't personally participating in those boycotts um, have good reason to be worried that sooner or later uh, these laws are going to start applying to political expression that they do engage in. And the Arkansas legislature saw this happen in 2023 with several bills targeting companies and service providers' policies on fossil fuels and firearms. One of those, Act 411, which gives the state the power to boycott certain companies based on their environmental or gun policies, went into effect this summer. And for the author Nathan Thrall, laws like this have made his book tour more fraught than expected. And he says he fears the result is chilling or altogether stopping discussions around topics that are important to many Americans. You know, free speech uh, or academic freedom organization would oppose in any other context. I mean, the, the notion that a speaker at a university can't talk unless they, they you know, vow not to exercise their free speech rights. In, in, in some other capacity outside the university, um, no one would accept that. Bart Hester, though, sees things differently. 
hey, if somebody wants to push back, I say bring it on. I mean, if they want to support and we and hey, there's no doubt there is nowhere more in the United States of America that you will see pro-terrorist groups than our colleges. Uh, so it doesn't surprise us that that's what we're seeing right now. Um, our college campuses are not places uh, that are free for thought anymore. Uh, they are they are places that uh, they condemn uh, open thought and debate and discussion. And so there is nothing that surprises me that uh, comes out of our college campuses. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Carruth. Daniel Carruth produces his stories in the Karen Taha News Studio. Do you love listening to Ozarks at Large? From local news to artist interviews and everything in between, the news team at KUAF provides listeners with a lot of information. But what if you could test your listening skills with a fun, daily word-based puzzle? If that sounds like something you might like to try, you can visit newsword.org slash KUAF to attempt today's puzzle. But be warned, you might end up discovering your next obsession. That's newsword.org slash KUAF. Happy puzzling. In our second half hour today, a new holiday market debuts Saturday in Fayetteville. It's called Fruitcake. Fruitcake now kind of typifying strange people or kind of unusual folks Mm -hmm. also really appealed to me. And the big thing was there's really only one time of the year we eat fruitcake. We'll talk with the co-founders of Fruitcake about their upcoming event at the Fayetteville Town Center. That's in today's second half hour. Today is National Rural Health Day, an opportunity for health systems and government agencies to highlight the successes and challenges of providing rural health care. The American Heart Association reports people in rural areas in the United States tend to have shorter lives than people in urban areas who have greater access to health care. Jennifer Connor, vice president of rural health for the American Heart Association, says that where you live shouldn't determine if you live. And we know that research shows that your zip code matters. And so um, specifically in Arkansas, Wyoming, New Mexico, all of the Southwest region states that I cover, uh, we know that there can be anywhere from a five to 10 year mortality difference. And so that is, you know, if you're in a rural versus urban area, you can have a, a 10 year difference in your lifespan. Connor, an Arkansas native, says reducing gaps in health care and life expectancy begins with listening. If we get the um, the infrastructure there, we get the comfort there, I think that, you know, telemedicine, uh, telehealth may be one of our solutions. Uh, but also, like I said, we're in a predominantly agricultural state, uh, you know, in Arkansas. Now, that doesn't mean we grow fresh fruits and vegetables, but we are looking at food distribution options and how we can get some of that fresher fruits and vegetables into our areas. We'll feature a longer conversation with Connor about rural health challenges and opportunities on an edition of Ozarks at Large tomorrow. The Center for Ethics and Journalism at the University of Arkansas will host a panel discussion tonight reporting on violence in the news. The event begins at 7 in the Alumni House on Razorback Road in Fayetteville and brings together a panel of journalists who have experience in covering violent events. Tonight's discussion, free and open to the public. Friday night marks the kickoff of the 30th annual Lights of the Ozarks on the Fayetteville Square. Byron Humphrey is the park's maintenance superintendent for the city of Fayetteville. His crew has spent the last six weeks preparing for the event. He says it's a lot different than the typical outdoor lights on a roof. Well, we primarily are decorating tree canopy, and so there's 
the structure is different for every tree and so we try to utilize uh, string lines to help make structure to actually attach the string lights to without damaging the trees and so that's a bit of a, a skill and that's been learned over the years for our guys that do it every year. The lights are an obvious highlight of the evening, but there will also be a parade, food trucks, and other activities on the square. Chloe Bell is Community Engagement Manager for Experience Fayetteville. But Chloe's personal favorite part of the event, Letters to Santa. It's just really exciting to see just the kids' joy at, at such simple like holiday traditions. Um, and they really do come out in, in the hundreds. One new element of the lights this season is car-free Friday nights. Kelly Rich is the executive director of the Downtown Fayetteville Coalition. She says this will offer visitors from near and far a chance to make viewing the lights an evening affair. So we're hoping to, you know, incentivize them to, to park and walk and come and shop our local businesses, hit up one of our restaurants and bars, and actually make it a full night to uh, enjoy the, the, the lights and all of what downtown Fayetteville can offer. Byron says people like Marshall Wood and other members of his crew have been installing the lights for more than a decade, and they take a lot of pride in making each year unique. It's really the the guys that install it come up with the themes and, hey, you know, we tried this one year and it, we, it looked good, let's try this. And so they're very creative and they do a great job with it. Festivities begin Friday night at 5 with the lighting at 6. The parade follows that. The One Climb Foundation will unveil a new climbing wall at the Boys and Girls Club of Benton County tomorrow. Professional rock climber Kevin Jorgensen and So Ill founder Dan Chancellor created One Climb with the aim to introduce 100,000 kids to climbing. Climb Bentonville has partnered with the organization to provide children with mentorship and field trips to climbing gyms in the region. The wall in Bella Vista will be One Climb's 12th climbing wall opened across the country. And the 2023 Arkansas Razorback Volleyball team now has the most wins in the season for the program since the 2003 season. 10th-ranked Arkansas earned its 23 victory of the year last night at Mississippi. Arkansas 13-2 in the SEC, just a half game out of first place. Next up, number 20 Florida, Sunday afternoon in Barnhill Arena. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. I'm Paul Gatling. Today on the program, we've got an interview with Chris Jones. He was Arkansas's Democratic nominee for governor in 2022. Also ahead, Tyson Foods shares a downbeat revenue forecast during its quarterly and fiscal year earnings call this week. And Congressman Steve Womack of Rogers will have a Republican primary challenger in 2024. Those stories and more are straight ahead on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. More at ArkansasStateChamber.com. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Live fearless. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas, and it shows in your banking experience. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. 
That's because First Security is 100% focused on serving customers all across the state and nowhere else. It's local banking with local commitment. First Security. Bank better. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Chris Jones, the state's Democratic candidate for governor last year, launched a political action committee in the aftermath of his loss to Sarah Sanders. It's called Vortex, and the goal is to recruit, train, and support Democratic candidates to flip all four of Arkansas's U.S. congressional districts and build a grassroots movement to bring long-term political change to Arkansas. Jones discussed those efforts recently in an interview with Roby Brock. Let me set the context first. I mean, I think this is an exciting moment for politics in Arkansas. Um, I think this, this upcoming election will probably be one of the most energizing and exciting that we've seen in a while because folks are stepping up, up and down the ballot. You got folks running for JP, school board, house seats, and congressional seats. And that's where Vortex comes in. Yeah. You know, why'd, as you we, pick, why'd you pick congressional districts? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, right? So what we realized was that candidate quality um, was an issue across the board. You know, we had a candidate who, on the Democratic side, who said the 2020 election was stolen. So we said, we need to address that. And I'm, and- It was on the Republican side. No. That said that the election was stolen. CD4. Oh, gotcha, okay, okay, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Okay. exactly. Well, there was, a, there was a Republican there was. primary opponent in CD2. Yes. Conrad Rennie said that. I mean, there's a election. current legislature, U.S. congressman, who voted to decertify the election. Yep. So we have some election deniers sitting in office right now. Um, so, but, but that was one issue. The other bigger issue, though, was that people said folks only come around, politicians only come around when it's time for the vote. We're not getting engaged early in the process. So Vortex, and I'm an engineer, I like to solve problems and build things. And so Vortex said, why don't we solve that problem? And the way we did it was by going around the state from Jonesboro to Eureka Springs to, to um, Pine Bluff and you name it, all across the state, asking Arkansans to identify other Arkansans who are their neighbors that are rooted in Arkansas and ready to lead. And they nominated them, first ever process in Arkansas, mm -hmm. where these folks went through a nominations process. We wanted high-quality candidates to stand up and step up and be supported. No one came So we've and done that me. process. Well, you've not, you didn't get nominated. I'm well that aware. might speak <laughs> to you. I'm glad I did get nominated because I, I would have to resign here and yeah. I get to sit down with people. I actually think you'd be great. You know, the re, no, 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 let me say that. I mean, I mean, because this is a very important point, I think. One of the things that has been missing from our political space is the ability to listen. And I think you do have an ability to listen. Now, whether you run for office or not is a different thing. But we also were looking for folks who can listen to our Kansans. Uh, a vortex is by nature chaotic and um, sucks everything into the middle. Why did you name your pack well, vortex? Well, I know, right? <laughs> Keep in mind, uh, I mean, not terms bad have that things go to the middle. That's true. Yeah. It, we we need to go to the middle. Yeah. We need some sort of moderation. We need to suck people in, um, and terms have different definitions. Right, and so this term comes from the definition of the vortex that's underneath the bumblebee's wings, and I told the story of the bumblebee yep. on the campaign. And it's really about creating that vortex that gives the bumblebee lift. So vortex is about giving politics lift in Arkansas. Gotcha. All right, um, we know that there are three congressional candidates that yeah. have come out here. CD1, Rodney Govins, yep. uh, former military, um, raised in foster care, really cares a lot. CD2, Marcus Jones, former colonel in the military, has more coins, challenge coins, than you can blink at 
<laughs> amazing, yeah. uh, really strong candidate against French Hill. And CD3, we have Caitlin Draper. Now, we haven't announced CD4 yet. We found some really high quality candidates because our, our goal was to find high quality candidates. But what we realized that we're running into the issue of people need time to both desire to run and be ready to run. And so some of the candidates that we found were just not in a place to do that, which is also speaks to the political infrastructure that needs to be built here. Um, well, Tuesday is Tuesday's deadline. Friday. Are you going to have a CD4 that's a, that's a long time. You, you know, I'm, a, I'm an eternal optimistic. I'm eternal optimist. So I, I believe we will. Uh, but, but here's the more important point. The more important point is that we went around and listened to our candidates across the board. Uh, and we found three really strong candidates in Rodney Govins, Marcus Jones, and Caitlin Draper. Um, we may or may not have a CD4 candidate. Regardless of whether we have a CD4 candidate or not, we will be in Congressional District 4 working and supporting down-ballot candidates and being ready for the next cycle. All right. Uh, are you going to be doing anything with any of the other legislative uh, candidates there? Or, I mean, I know you're still active in yeah. Democratic Party politics. Very, so I, so yeah. I kind of want to get your take on, um, I mean, there could be as many as 60 Democrats yes, record. filing those yeah. uh, for 60 legislative seats. Mm -hmm. Um, Which speaks to me the energy of the moment. Because there used to be about 90, or there well, used to be 100 fair. Democrats that, that were running. So, that's you know, that's yeah. fair. That's yep. fair. In recent time, last decade or so. You know, but that to me, that speaks to the energy on the ground. And folks are stepping up. They're saying, look, we deserve better than an education bill and learns that is actually closing schools in places like umpire. We deserve better than no accountability in the state legislature. By the way, in addition to legislative seats, I'm glad that John Pagan stepped up to run for treasurer, mm -hmm. right? Because we need accountability. We can't have our elected officials buying $19,000 podiums. Lecterns. Lecterns. Yeah. Or Wi-Fi ice makers. You got to get them. <laughs> you got to get your, you get your <laughs> light. You got to get it right there. Lecterns so. and podiums. There you go. So that is Chris Jones. He was the Democratic nominee for governor last year in Arkansas, losing to Sarah Sanders. He's now leading a political action committee called Vortex. You can learn more about those efforts at Vortex Pack. That's vortexpac.com. Staying on the political beat, State Senator Clint Penzo of Springdale said this week that he will run for the GOP nomination for Arkansas's 3rd Congressional District, taking on incumbent U.S. Representative Steve Walmack of Rogers. Penzo is a former state representative who was elected to the state Senate last year. Democrat Caitlin Draper of Fayetteville has also announced for the congressional seat. Tyson Foods reported a loss of $648 million on Monday for the fiscal year that ended September 30th. That sounds dire enough on the surface, but for context, the company earned $3.2 billion in the previous fiscal year. Annual sales ticked down to $52.9 billion from $53.3 billion the year before. And analysts with Arkansas commercial real estate firm Cushman and Wakefield Sage Partners said Northwest Arkansas's office market continued its steady growth in the third quarter despite national turbulence and uncertainty. The firm's latest quarterly report also revealed recent deliveries are responsible for driving negative net absorption in the industrial sector, while rent growth and vacancies remain historically strong. You can find all of those stories and more at nwabusinessjournal.com where you can follow our reporting each and every day. That's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening.
International Education Week continues today on college and university campuses across the country. Among the University of Arkansas's observations was a discussion yesterday about the impact of war on scholarship, culture, the arts, and the environment. Panelists included Uchenna Owoke, a writer who is an Artist Protection Fund fellow with a current residency in Fayetteville. He's a novelist who had to leave his native Nigeria as violence erupted. Yesterday, he was also in the Furman Garner Performance Studio to talk with me. He says, having sanctuary, peace of mind is... It means everything for an artist. You have to have your peace of mind before you can write. You cannot write in, 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 in an atmosphere of chaos like we have in my country. I had stopped writing before this fellowship came. So it was a lifeline. Also a panelist and a guest in our studio yesterday was Salman Al-Shami, a Yemeni entomologist visiting the University of Arkansas through the Scholars at Risk program. I came from Yemen and they started in 2015 to have a war and there are so many airstrikes and I mean more than 18 million people, they have been displaced from their homes. And of course, because of the war, I mean, all the universities and research institutions, they have been affected. And uh, also the natural environment has been destroyed. And also there are so many environmental pollution problems that cannot be resolved. And also, in addition to that, there is some water crisis and the people, they don't have access to a clean water that it was, for example, in 2017, the people, uh, there was a cholera outbreak, and it was more than 13,000 people have been affected, mostly children. And I think the, uh, the people, uh, there is no official statistics how many people died, but uh, they said like every 10 minutes, one child under five years will be die because of preventable disease, I mean, uh, preventable disease. We're going to share much more from our conversation recorded yesterday about artists and scholars at risk around the world on Ozarks at Large next week. The panel discussion yesterday on the University of Arkansas campus, part of the observation of International Education Week at the U of A. Leah Uribe, Professor of Music and Associate Dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with Violino Azteco, a piece by Mexican composer Jimena Contreras. Jimena Contreras began her musical studies at the age of eight with private piano and music theory lessons. In 2003, she joined the Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México School of Music as a composition student. Jimena has participated in several film score writing workshops under the direction of notable composers and film directors, and her compositions have been premiered at different national and international music festivals, as well as broadcast on the radio several times. 
This composition refers to a traditional Mexican musical style, the son huasteco. This traditional style from the 19th century is influenced by Spanish, indigenous Mexican, African, and other musics that evolved from the arrival of the Spanish in 1519 and during the colonial period of Mexico from 1521 to 1810. The Son is particularly noteworthy for its flamboyant and virtuoso violin parts, which composer Jimena Contreras highlights in this piece. It was an excerpt from Violin Huasteco, an energetic piece written by Mexican composer and producer Jimena Contreras, a very strong voice today in the realm of composition and production of music for film, television and video games, and award-winning at various film festivals in Mexico and around the world. Nubia Jaime Don Juan is also a Mexican composer and also a cellist born in Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico. Nubia began her musical studies at the age of six and continued her professional studies at the University of Sonora. As a composer and arranger, Nubia Jaime Don Juan has collaborated with many great orchestras and chamber ensembles. Her music has been performed by renowned soloists and ensembles in and outside of Mexico. Jaime Don Juan was the first woman to receive first prize in the Arturo Márquez Composition Contest. She is part of the Montoneras Collective, a group that brings together the work of composers, performers, and researchers to make visible the work of women in the music from Mexico. I found Elegía por unos ojos verdes while doing some research for an upcoming recital. This flute and piano piece was written to the memory of Cinia Jaime Magallón. The notes that accompany the program read, quote, such beautiful eyes have stopped looking at me. 
to perfect circles of an inexplicable hue, full of light and goodness, they have gone out forever. In the memory of those of us who are still here, that divine green will remain. Oh, green so bluish, oh, green so in love. I have said goodbye to them. Rest peacefully, flower of my life. I let you fly. End quote. Let us listen to Valerie Cabrera, flute, and Hector Acosta piano from a video recording in Hermosillo, Sonora, March or 2021, performing Elegía por unos ojos verdes by Mexican composer Nubia Jaime Don Juan.
From Mexico with Love, I presented you today with two Mexican composers, Jimena Contreras and Nubia Jaime Don Juan. This is Leo Uribe, Professor of Music and Associate Dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a show written and hosted by me, KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. This segment is dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. I will see you soon. This is Ozarks at Large. Tis the season. Fayetteville and Bentonville holiday lights get turned on this weekend. Saturday, a new holiday-themed market will debut in the Fayetteville Town Center. Fruitcake will feature local craftspeople and vendors, as well as cocktails, games, and fruitcake. Early access begins at 11 Saturday morning. General admission is at noon. This week, co-founders of Fruitcake, Emily Walker and Evan McDonald, came to the Carver Center for Public Radio to talk about why they've called this event Fruitcake and that's in all caps, by the way. And they talked about the inspiration to create a new holiday market. So I had the idea a few years ago with being a father, being a parent. So much of the holidays is is geared around children and is geared around like activities with children. And one of the things that I had done a lot of markets, I had hosted a few different events that had market aspects, and I wanted to give the vendors a chance to kind of relax in what they were bringing. You know, this isn't going to be the farmer's market. You can bring things because we're all going to be adults here. And I wanted to add, I wanted to get that kind of mid-century modern office Christmas party without any of the gross stuff mm-hmm. um, in in that way. I wanted it to feel fun and lively, but also a chance for you to get your holiday shopping done at the same time. And I know for me, so I have been on the small business scene for about three years. Um, and I know for me, a lot of it was like, um, you know, you've, you've got kids and you wanted mm-hmm. to do that. And, and I, um, I'm in the queer community here. And I know um, a lot of people who don't really have like a safe space that they could go to. And so I know like my side of it is very much wanting to create a space where anybody could go, even people who don't have kids, but also parents who maybe want to get away from that, you know? Or make it a date. That was the thing that really evolved into is that the whole day is really something that you can really get in there and spend the whole day with the bingo, the custom cocktails, the photo experience from Cheap Thrills, the food, the vending. Mm -hmm. There's even going to be somebody there wrapping the gifts. Mm -hmm. So you can literally leave this or a drink in your hand out into the lights, Christmas shopping done and wrapped. We've got a a stained glass artist. We have um, a rug art um, person like a tufting. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, 
someone selling crystals. We've got um, lots of jewelry makers, lots of bakers, lots of just such cool stuff. Now, Evan, you've been in this studio before talking about events that you've created Mm -hmm. and stressed that they were family friendly. Excellent. So I just want to point out that you're not anti. No, certainly not. Uh, You know, love my kids, love y'all's kids out there in the listening (laughs) audience. Certainly, you know, I I do – as another job, I do a lot of after-school programs and stuff like that. But the point was, um, and to kind of come back to it, the the phrase that we stumbled onto as we were doing the planning was nostalgia belongs to all of us. Mm-hmm. So it's not defined by the things that the kids are going to like. It's not defined by the things that the grandparents are going to like. Everybody gets to decide what's nostalgia to them. Why fruitcake? So... <laughs> the the phrase fascinates me because it's it has a really long history you know the it's it's technically like a roman recipe it's been around for a long time and it's evolved into this thing that's now kind of thanks to Carson and that kind of mid-century time sort of mocked and kind of ridiculed. Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, and the phrase now, like the the fruitcake now kind of typifying strange people or kind of unusual folks mm-hmm. also really appealed to me. And the big thing was there's really only one time of the year we eat fruitcake. And it's For from, some of us, there's no time of the year, but go well, ahead. Correct. <laughs> yeah. We, we yes. eat the fruit. Um, but that whole holiday stretch is what we're trying to encapsulate, that it's not about Christmas specifically, Mm. that it's not about Thanksgiving specifically. It's just about those times where the fruitcake is most readily available. (laughs) Yeah. And that, I feel like, goes hand in hand with the nostalgia, too. Like, I know for me, I love this time of year, but it's never about the holidays. Specifically, it's about like how I feel when I'm with my friends and my family and like, you know, our specific traditions. And we kind of want to make this a tradition for people at this time of year as well. Yeah, we'd like to make this one a big success so that we can, in perpetuity, you know that they light the lights of the Ozarks. Next day is fruitcake. And you can't think of this time of year without thinking about bingo. Right. You're right. so right. What a transition. <laughs> so there will be bingo at yes. Fruitcake. Yeah, it's something that I, I held over from when I used to host the Arkansas Brewgrass Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody loves bingo, and it's always a fun conversation starter. It's a fun activity. If, if folks need a bit of a break from the event and whatnot, you can sit down. You can win some fun stuff as well. We've got tons of the vendors have been volunteering and giving us items for this. We've got um, our beer sponsor, Fossil Cove, is also going to be providing a lot of different things. Speaking of bingo. Oh, yes. It's time to play a quiz. Amazing. <laughs> Inspired by Games of Chance because bingo is a game of chance. Yes. Correct. And you work together. Mm, You're not sure. against each other. Oh, okay. You're okay. working together. Okay. <laughs> you want to do be All right. competitive. <laughs> We're going to start with a, an easy one. Mm. What game of chance has a name that translated into another language other than English means little wheel? Are these all board games or are these like... No, I'm thinking games of chance are something you'd find in a casino. Oh! oh. Roulette? Yeah, I would say roulette. You are yeah. right. Yeah. You're okay. one for one, yeah. roulette. I'm glad I asked that clarification because yeah, I would yes. not have gotten yeah. that otherwise. <laughs> a good host, a good game show host would have said that earlier. Number two. Hmm. The Barona Casino south of San Diego is home of one of these. Is it 
The world's only underwater craps table where players don scuba gear and roll weighted dice as fish swim around them. <laughs> Number two, is it the physical home of the Blackjack Hall of Fame honoring lifetime contributions to the understanding of blackjack? Does it feature the only North American table for the game Pow Chow, a game involving six eight-sided die? Or does it have the world's largest collection of military-themed slot machines? Oh, my God. Oh, man. Um, I want to say the first one's in Las Vegas because that doesn't sound like The world's only underwater crab That table. would be anywhere other than Las Vegas. Okay. I was leaning towards the second one. It feels like the, the, blackjack. the blackjack Museum. I was thinking second or third. Okay. So, so you're, you've narrowed down to the Blackjack Hall of Fame. Or the only North American table for the game Pow Chow. Pow Chow. Which that feels involves like, six eight-sided die. Feels like it would be some like something that's not only one place, so, but yeah. also South of San Diego, you said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where may I may I ask where Pow Chow's origin is? You can ask that. I can. <laughs> I can ask it all day long. <laughs> yes. I'm not gonna get an answer. I will not be no. able to answer okay. that. Okay. I feel like the second one is the most realistic, but that's what's making me like uh, hung up. Uh, I think uh, I overthink everything. So you want to go pow chow? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you answer. You. Fit. We're gonna play it safe. We're gonna go number two. Yeah. Correct. The blackjack hall of fame. All right. Uh, I can now tell you where pow chow originated mm. in my imagination. <gasps> That'll do it. That'll do it. (laughs) All right. Question number three. You're perfect so far. Which of these four words is considered bad luck to say at a craps table? Which of these four words? Is it seven? Is it red? Is it Macbeth? (laughs) Is it long shot? Well, it's not red. (laughs) (laughs) I know nothing about gambling, if you can't tell. Um Okay. I feel like you know this. It was red. It was seven. seven then red, d- Macbeth, well, it's or not seven. <laughs> is it long It's got to be long shot. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. It is seven. It, what? <gasps> if you play craps at a real casino, you will notice that they call it big red or something else. It is considered unlucky to say wow. seven. Whoa. You're okay. two, two right, one wrong. Ooh, okay. In gambling, somebody mm. with a golden arm is... A player who has won more than a million dollars on a single slot machine pull more than once in their lifetime. Hmm. A craps player who has rolled dice for over an hour without losing. A Texas Hold'em dealer who tosses three consecutive face-up aces to players. Or a roulette croupier who has consecutive spins that end up with the roulette ball in the green zero slot. I think it's the second one. It's got to be. Because that's also it's the that's a Sinatra movie, yeah. right? It it's a really good Sinatra. And I know yes. nothing about gambling, but I know that. Okay. So, like, well, that's I feel it. like. Yeah. All right, you guys got it. Yeah. Oh. Amazing. All right. Okay. All right, you're three All right. to one. <laughs> you will win. But the question is, will you win three to two or four to one? Okay. In Baccarat, a hand with a two and a three is worth five. A hand with a six and a seven is worth three. What's the highest possible score in Baccarat? Oh, no. Is it five, mm-hmm. seven, nine, or a hand that is so rare it's called a cube lime? A cube lime? Yes. Okay. So I feel like he made that up. But also, like... That could be the answer, though. Like a... a, a well, yeah. <laughs> like, Those are your two options. It sounds a lot like Cuba Libre, which is like... Yeah. Uh, to drink with lime, but yeah. I, I, and it feels like I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know either. Five, okay. seven, nine, or a hand that is so rare it is called a cube well, lime. Well, seven was the answer before, so maybe it's not seven here. Okay. <laughs> Do you love so my, five, my logic? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like nine. You like nine? I like nine. All right, we're going to go nine. Nine is correct. Yeah! <laughs> All right. Okay. We love Trivia. You're gonna need. You're <laughs> going to need to have us back. So at this point now, we need to go and organize other events mm-hmm. so that we can come back. <laughs> That's the only reason. And do more That's trivia. That's the only reason. Emily Walker and Evan McDonald are the co-founders of Fruitcake, taking place Saturday at the Fayetteville Town Center. Early access to the vendors begins at 11 Saturday morning for ten dollars. General admission begins at noon for five dollars. Bingo goes on throughout the day and. Full disclosure, I'll be one of the guest bingo callers early Saturday afternoon. And it's always a joy to co-host the Northwest Arkansas edition of National Philanthropy Day with Jacqueline House from KNWA. Jacqueline and I did so again yesterday at the Fayetteville Public Library. Thank you, Northwest Arkansas Chapter, the American Fundraising Professionals, for including me in this year's event. And congratulations to this year's recipients who received recognition yesterday. You can see a list of those honorees in the most recent issue of Cityscapes magazine. And thank you to the eagle-eared listener who got something during my conversation with Pastor Clint Schneckloth yesterday. We mentioned a steel mine, something that can't technically exist since steel is not naturally produced and it can't be mined. Iron ore can be mined, then steel can be extracted from that iron. If you love the content you're listening to and ever find yourself wondering how it is that the podcast and news get done at KUAF 91.3, well, we have internships available in news, spot production, social media, and development that go behind the scenes to make it all flow. Work with us and get real-time experience in clips working for a nationally awarded and recognized NPR affiliate. If you're enrolled at the University of Arkansas and want a class for the spring semester, you're eligible to apply. We're looking for creative minds, passionate and out-of-the-box thinkers for all of the areas that we have listed. Deadline to apply is this Friday, November 17th, to join a group of journalists and advocates working to make the next generation of news and give the public the information they need and rely on every day. Go to KUAF.com internships to learn more and apply. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media, the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Dana Carruth, Paul Gatling, Roby Brock, and Leah Uribe. Additional reporting today from Jack Travis and Sophia Narani. Matthew produced today's program in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Went, went and Going back to my roots in country music radio today. Yeah, two two really fun conversations. Uh, talked with Ricky Skaggs this morning. He's going to be at Temple Live in early December in Fort Smith. Sweetheart of a guy. Later today, talking with Lori Morgan, who will be at Walton Art Center for a Christmas show in early December. Speaking of your roots in country music and Temple Live, I saw that Marty Stewart is oh. coming soon, too. Ooh. So he's amazing. I'm going to call dibs on that interview. You got it. Okay. You got it. You did it right here publicly. We're back. Another show tomorrow from the Carver Center for Public Radio. I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for being with us. KUAF is supported by Groundwork, workforce housing for Northwest Arkansas. Groundwork aims to create a variety of housing options and mixed income neighborhoods for the region's workers and their families. More information at 
groundworknwa.org.